This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Max Cohen and Giannis Janais. This is our post-match show of Fulham's 2-1 victory against Huddersfield Town on Friday night. We have a lot to talk about in regards to this match, but I always have to welcome back my co-host. First, let's start with Mr. Cohen. Mr. Cohen, how are you doing? We did full-time a couple nights ago. Still feeling good about this victory? I'm feeling great about the victory, Ross. And you know, re-watching the match just the other night. I've uh, watched it realize, two more times, yeah. by the way. <laughs> it was a joy. I mean, the night and day between first half and second half, it really, yep. really jumps out in you. And, and I think the main thing was how direct we were second half. When the wingers got the ball and they were the most dangerous part of our play, they went right at the opposition defense. So direct, so purposeful, so ambitious. I think that's really what sets Scotty Parker apart. And I'd love to talk about that in the show. Sure. Is that he wants his wingers, he wants his players to run defenses. He knows he possesses players of quality. He can take on players one-on-one, and we have that in bundles. And when we get going, when the team starts penning other teams back in their own half, they start running at defenses, that's when we're at their, our best, and you saw that in that second half on Friday night. Absolutely, and I definitely want to focus on the change from the first half to the second half. That's something that we definitely need to spend some time on during this show. All right, let's now go all the way down to the Dominican Republic Mr. Janaeus, how are you doing? Are you enjoying your holiday? Hola, hola, senor, senor. <laughs> where's, where's Tim Hoogland? <laughs> um, yes, you know what? It's been it's been lovely down here. Um, it's uh, the weather's warm, the food's been pretty good, and uh, and the best bit about it was winning on Friday night because as you when you win on a Friday night, it just sets up a weekend. It's sure. Fantastic. So you know once. Um, once we got, once um, Cavallero got that uh, late goal and we, we we got the three points, then it's been an even better weekend. And even better news, I hear that Cardiff and Luke Bardiff, rather, are losing 3 nothing to Reading right now. Wow. <laughs> well, that just cheered up my morning. Thanks for letting me know, Giannis. Right back to you. Yes, sir. What is the number one talking point that comes out of this match for you? Let's start here. Let's talk about what we learned from this match, just big picture. Number one talking point that comes out for you. To me, there's a positive and a negative one. The positive okay. is Stephen Sessegnon's debut, obviously Adoy, um, Adoy uh, being off injured. And, and Cyrus Christie may have a, you know, may consider himself a little bit unfortunate not to play Saturday, if only because of what happened up at Oakwell. And, you know, I know his teammates are, have surrounded him with support and, and the club. But the, you know, it, you would have thought that the logic might have dictated that he would start, but he gave Sess a start, which I thought was great. Yep. Um, and that to me was the big thing because he not only, you know, made his debut, but he, he played very, very well, which was great. Um, the negative for me actually was was after the match was social media. And I'm, I'm getting a little bored of fans um, 
bemoaning the first first half performance. Um, going back to that old adage about is Scott Parker ready for the job? Does he know what he's doing? And anyone out there that's ever coached at any sort of level will tell you that you know you have to find your feet. Sure. Um, he's learned from some good coaches, and he doesn't have a style. We don't have a style yet because he doesn't have a style. It evolves. You know, the coach he'll be 10 years from now will be very different from the coach now. Right. But the big thing for me was that obviously what happened at half time, he wasn't happy. He made the suitable adjustments. And what you saw in the second half was a dominating performance. And he got us three points against a, um, a difficult team uh, on a wet Friday night who were desperate to get points, who hadn't won for Absolutely. six months. Yeah. And Siebert was, you know, one game and he was done after they lost to Lincoln and the Carabao. And Tuesday. So overall, I think it was a, is it a very, very good result. Oh, and I can now confirm that Bardiff lost three nothing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, no, so, so the positive was Sessignon, but I just wish that more that fans get off Parker's back and give him his time. Let him, he's a young coach. Let him learn the job. He's going to be just fine. Okay. Interesting there. Max, what are your thoughts of. Uh... I guess you could say the positive and the negative for Giannis, and then if you want to share yours. Yeah, Steven Sassanon really stands out. And the big thing for me is how comfortable he looked in possession. He didn't have a lot of defending to do. He had a bit of defending to do. And he was up against Alex Pritchard, who's a tricky little winger, um, very short but also very pacey, very good with his feet. And except for the early booking, Sassanon really did not look phased at all by Pritchard, which no. I thought was good. But I think the thing that stood out to me the most was how excellent his passing was. And one thing I saw when I was watching the match again, which I didn't realize the first time, was how far in field Sessignon came when we had possession. And he almost acted as another midfielder he in did. that central that's area. A, that's a great point. I was thinking and, the and, same and thing, Max. Go that's ahead. You don't know, yeah, that's, that's something you don't normally see from fullbacks, at least in, in my experience. They might stay out wide and act as overlapping, kind of like Joe Bryan does. But Sessignon was almost like another central midfielder. And his passing is one twos, his combination, his wing play as well. It was such a great display of passing, um, his range, you know? And from a player that young making his debut, that's so encouraging. And he just looks he looked rock solid. And again, the thing I go back to, he did not look out of place in that squad at all. Totally and, and that's amazing for someone who's uh, eighteen, nineteen years of age making his debut. Yeah. It's a great point, Max. And uh this goes back to actually if anyone has seen the video from Tony Khan talking about why they decided not to get a right back because they believe in Steven Sessignon. Parker believes in it. Tony Khan believes in him. And then we actually, I think we're starting to see a little bit why they believe in him. Now it's one match. I don't feel they, anyone should make a judgment on one match, but I will say that I think you can see the potential. I think that's fair to say. And like Max said, he didn't look out of place and that's a huge step in the right direction. So I'm glad, Max, that you shared that. I'll, I'll just share my talking point. I'll go, just like you guys are, are saying, positive and negative. I'll say the positive was the response in the second half. Night and day, like Max said, just looked like a different team. As Max said, they were more direct. They were really getting after it, and they were relentless for those 45-plus minutes. And they deserved to win easier than they did. And uh, But I think we saw a little bit of resilience, Max. You said this. A great point that you made on full-time was heads didn't drop, and I think that's huge. A negative that I have to mention again, I mentioned this on full-time. I want both of your thoughts on my negative. I'm still a little bit concerned about the goal that they gave up and the goal they gave up against Barnsley. This is something that they need to correct because I think this one was preventable. Giannis, I want to get your thoughts on this. Am I making too much out of the goal that they gave up here? No, you're not. I, I think um, there are still there are still Fulham fans are are totally convinced by bets, um, and I, I I get the feeling that he's really under the under scrutiny right now because you've got Rhoda at the backup. We know no had an excellent season for Robin last year, so he's got experience in the division, and. Um, you know, I think that um, he's got, I mean, notwithstanding that it's a good win, um, Wednesday's going to be a bit more pressure again because Millwall 
you know, they're a feisty team and they're going to come out and, and they'll, they'll keep, they'll, I'm sure they'll keep them a little bit busy. Yep. Um, I think in this division, you know, you need, you need really solid goalkeeping and you need to try and keep it watertight. You could argue we've conceded only two goals in three games, which is great. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's not the goals you concede, it's how you concede them and the, and the timing. And right. as well as we played in this, you know, for the, for the game, it's a real kick in the you know what when they equalise, and you're thinking, oh no, don't tell me, don't tell me it's going to be in that Sunderland Mark II, Chris Coleman. We remember that game, of course. Yep. Um, but uh, luckily we came out with it. But yeah, no, you, I share your concerns as well. Um, okay. It's something we've got to tighten up on. Okay, Max, your thoughts? You've now watched back the match. Am I making too much out of this? I mean, not really. The big thing, though, is that what I keep going back to is the two main errors, which I don't think involve Ben Nelly per se. So I think by the time the ball gets to him, the errors have already been made. You know, basically, we clear the ball, doesn't really get cleared, and it's on our left wing. And Knockart, which I think is expected, he's nowhere near that defensive area. So essentially, it's Brian has to cover two men. The ball gets passed to their right back. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the name. The guy we linked with Florian Hydergenai or, or whatever. And he swings in that ball. That was a pretty good stab. Um, but Brian, and, and we saw this actually a bit in the Premier League, he just does not get close to wingers and, and right backs who are crossing in uh, from wide positions. There's a lot of space there. And the right back could have all day to pick out that cross. So that's the first thing which you have to look at. But then again, that's also caused by a lack of support from wingers or even maybe Johansson who would have filled them there. So there's just an o- overload on that, on that area, and it's too easy to put in the cross. And then the marking is non-existent. And Mawson and Reem and Stephen Session, there's really only one man near them. It's Carlin Grant. And they all run back towards goal, towards Marks Benelli, instead of realizing that Carlin Grant checks his run and essentially gets a free header. So that, that's what most worries me is that we can't yeah. do simple things and mark men in the box, and we can't do simple things and track back and put pressure on people crossing the ball. Those are the two, I mean, simple things. It's not, it, wasn't a, it was a decent goal, but it wasn't an amazing goal of individual brilliance. Yeah. It was something that could have been stopped if we had a bit more organization. But then again, it's a new back four. Maybe that organization right. comes with time. I have trust in Stuart Gray to kind of sort that out as the season progresses. Okay. Just uh, worrying from the, these two goals from the first three matches, the opener and this one, but it's a good point by you. New back four playing with a goalkeeper, you know, it does take time to gel, so let's hope it all comes together. All right, let's talk about the starting 11 in the 18 overall. Mr. Janaeus, your thoughts? Obviously, the big news was Steven Sessegnon starting. I also thought that maybe we would see Bobby Reed in there too, but he was not. He came off the bench. It was actually a very similar situation from the last match. The Reeds and then, of course, Maxine Lamashan, the substitutions. It actually played out very similar. What were your thoughts about the uh, starting 11 and the 18 overall? Well, I mean, starting 11, uh, as I indicated, I mean, it was a toss-up between Christine and Seth. Seth gets in, which was great. Um, there have been some question marks about consistency of Cavallero, so I, I thought Reed might get a might get a run out. But actually, yeah. I, I would not be surprised if Reed starts on, on um, Wednesday. Um, the the knockout Cavallero Mitrovic thing up front was expected. The thing that might have been a bit of a surprise to me is that Steph Joe started and, and that uh, Reed didn't get a start. Um, so you're going to, you know, Reed, Arter and Kenny, because Arter's now going to be the engine room of that whole midfield. Right. And Hanson, you know, and we love him to death, but there's still a question mark over his, you know, he has, he has these brain freezes. Um, but um, this is going to be a rotational squad, so it's going to be lots of opportunity. And I'm sure you can make a couple of changes for Wednesday's game. For the subs, um, the omissions, of course, were interesting. Uh, no Cabano and no Mr. Aize. Um <laughs> But uh, AK-47 was back in. He was. Um, so, and, and McDonald in there as well. So a good, strong bench where you've got lots of options to come in and plug holes or waste time. You know what it's like. One of the annoying things for me is the last five, six minutes of every game where you're up by one or two and, then you start making substitutions and they come off at half a mile an hour and they applaud the crowd and, you know, they blow kisses at the rabbit crossing, crossing the road and all that. But um, that apart, um, you know what? I, th- I think uh, 
everything was done right. And we, he obviously, um, he, he's looking at the training ground, Russ. And you look at the players who are not part of this 18 and, and, and you know, bloody hell. So there is some depth there. Uh, we're relatively injury-free at the moment, uh, apart from Adoy. But um, I did like the 18. Okay, excellent. And uh, I would recommend everyone, if you can, watching the Stephen Sessignon interview done after the match because he talks about how he was given a chance by Scott Parker. It's interesting. Definitely check that out. Max, over to you. What your thoughts on the starting 11 and the 18 overall? Yeah, I mean, the big thing, I think, of course, is Sessignon making his debut, Christie on the bench, you know, no doy, who we later learned was because of injury. Um, so that's... A bit worrying, but apparently it's nothing too serious, uh, which is good to hear. Um, yeah, and then another player I just want to draw attention to is, you know, Kevin McDonald. We haven't seen him at all past two matches, um, and I think everyone's kind of accepted that. We're okay with that. Maybe he'll come in when Arter gets tired, when there's rotational stuff, like Giannis mentioned. But a player who we saw in that first game was really not up to quality, but who in the preseason everyone kind of nailed down as a key part of that midfield. It's kind of interesting to see how he suddenly – Again, second second choice, and I think that's totally okay. But for a leader like him on the pitch, how does that? I, I always wonder how the dressing room reacts to something like that. Because Kevin McDonald was someone who you really associate with Fulham nowadays. Whenever he's on the pitch with Kearney, you always kind of make the assumption that he's a real captain, he's a real guy. They're barking orders. Whenever there's that uh, huddle before the match, he's the one yelling at the players. What's it like for him to suddenly be dropped just like that when Arthur comes in? And I don't think anyone would argue it's the wrong decision, but. I was wondering what's going through a player's head. You know, he signed that new contract, you know, uh, the other summer. He sees himself as a key player to Fulham. He's on the bench now. He suddenly doesn't have a look in. Right. What's that like? Does that create problems? I think for McDonald, he's a good team player, but still, I was curious about how that dynamic plays out behind the scenes. Okay, excellent. All right, guys, let's get into breaking down this match. Let's start with the first half. I'll just talk about some key moments, and then I'll just get – your overall view, both of you, and I'll share mine as well. Again, uh, the first half, it was a tale of two halves. The first half, I thought, was poor by Fulham, but Huddersfield Town weren't much better. I'll just try to mention a, a few of the uh, key moments. Ninth minute, you have a shot by Cavalero that just goes wide. I think a pivotal moment in this match, and I think we definitely need to talk about it, and when we talk about the first half, guys, I want your thoughts about this. The reaction to Steven Session getting a yellow. Because I was concerned about this because I, I thought that Pritchard now might really be able to take it to Sessignon. And it didn't play out that way. Overall, Sessignon held his own and actually I thought grew into the game. So I want your thoughts about his reaction to getting the yellow. And uh, I also want to mention another shot by Cavallaro shortly after that. And then you have a, a nice shot in the 42nd minute by Joe Bryant. But beyond that, it really was not a great first half. I want to say, for either side. Giannis, I'll go to you first. Thoughts on the first half? And also, I definitely want your thoughts about how Steven Sessignon reacted to getting the yellow card. Well, um, I mean, since the game on since the game on Friday night, Sievert's been fired as head coach. And I kept thinking, watching the first half, that if Wagner had still been in charge, they wouldn't have approached the game they would, the way they did first half. I thought they were very defensively set up. I, I, they were. I believe it. Yeah, and they're a better side than that line than their record shows. That's a good lineup. They've got some good players in there with championship experience, but they are so devoid of uh, confidence right now. And even looking back six months, I've got a, a friend of mine who's a, who's a Huddersfield diehard, and he said, you know, many of the fans, many many of the fans were, were uh, even the, and the players were very upset when Wagner got let go because of the job he did in the championship, bringing them up. And that it was really it was it was accepted it was going to be a difficult season second year in the Premier League, and that Wagner would oversee that. And if they got relegated with the umbrella payments, they'd be fine. And then of course they fired him and brought in Seaver, coming from Borussia Dortmund, and he looked out of his depth from the start. And unfortunately, I think the only win he had was against Burnley, way back when. So I thought you know we didn't look brilliant in the first half, but I don't. But Huddersfield didn't make it easy because they basically parked, parked the bus. Yeah. And, and let's not forget that the conditions were not great. Um, and, you know, it was, it, it was, you know, it was challenging. Um, but it's one of those games where, you know, as long as you don't concede a goal, you've got lots of possession, which we did have at halftime. You know, you can regroup at halftime, park, can make a couple of subtle adjustments and see what happens. 
sometimes it depends on the on the you know the team you play against to to, to make it more open whereby we can you know really start knocking the ball around but but unfortunately Huddersfield to me showed up for a draw and that is disappointing because as I said that they shouldn't be where they are I know it's early days but they've got some good players and um um, and that was that, that you know that was just one. The Stephen Sessing, I think a lot of players at his age would have melted. Uh, right. An early, That's uh, why I wanted to bring this up. Let's see. Let's see where his let's see where his um, his um, career path goes in terms of trajectory. He, you know, he got the yellow card, and um, Parker Parker would have been within his rights if if he thought that there was an issue in terms of Sess of making a, a switch, you know, to, just to get him down, you know, call him off and what have you. But he didn't. He showed a lot of faith. Now, I didn't see I didn't see anywhere in the media where Parker got credit for that, where he kept faith in the lad and he kept him out there. And that's good And that's good management. It's sometimes it's the, it's the teeny-weeny things that you don't think about. Right. And I think that um, Parker actually comes out of the, the game with a lot of credit on Friday because I thought, I thought they worked very, very hard. But showing faith in... A youngster to start at right back on a in, in an away game on a Friday night in West Yorkshire, you know, is quite a compliment. And to show that faith and uh, you know in his ability, I think is great and and tremendous success because you know early yellow card and but he he never missed a beat. Very very accomplished debut. Very um, you, you know it was a very professional debut. And um, the expectation is that he'll play against Millwall uh, Wednesday night. Okay. Right back to you, then I'm going to go to Max, because I'm curious your thoughts on this, because it's evident that Scott Parker wants them to play the ball off from the back. How do you yeah. think Huddersfield Town approached this compared to Fulham's two opponents prior? They just sat deeper and deeper. I mean, the, 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 the thing is, if you've got a team that's going to set up to pass the fullbacks, then the way you're going to do it, is you're going to use use you would use your your wingers to pick up the fullbacks, and then if you've got somebody occupying the centre back, you've really got your three main outlets, your three pipes closed. So then you, you're forced to play it long. The way you stop that ordinarily would be to pull, pull certainly pull the wide players out of the right. equation and, and take them. But Huddersfield didn't do that. Uh, they, they, they were set up all wrong. They were set up. They were scared to lose, and I think that's probably what got Seaver. The, fire, the the sacking. It wasn't so much the result. Um, the approach. I, I think it was the approach. And and, and they're losing to Lincoln on Tuesday night at home. I mean, it's Lincoln. It's the, the, the Moo Moo Carabao Moo 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 Cup. And nobody gives a bollocks. But it's it's sometimes it's not the result. It's how how they look. It's the optics and what you're seeing in sure. the field. And they looked scared. They looked scared. So they need a different voice. And um, you know what? Um, there are some good managers out there uh, who can help them. Obviously, uh, Hewton, Tony Poulos would be a, a, maybe a very good fit for them. Um, and if they get a good manager in now, I think that, I think they'll climb the table because I said they, they're a decent side, um, but they just hit, they've had an awful rut in the last six months. Totally agree, Giannis, and uh, that's a very good analysis. The right manager might be able to turn that club around. Max, back over to you. Your thoughts on the first half and also what we've been talking about, what Janusz just shared as well. Yeah, I think the first half, you know, we tried to play, but there was just no urgency. And that's something I think uh, Benjamin Bloon said last week, which is really you know, a great point, is that we can play the passing football all we want, but if it's not quick and it's not purposeful, it's not going to get us anywhere. I think that really summed up the first half pretty well. We had a lot of possession, but nothing really came out of it. And, and the best moments was when people actually made a run and, and, and were proactive, when Brian made the overlapping run and forced a really good save yeah. um, out of the Huddersfield keeper, where he actually probably should have squared that to Mitro, but nevertheless, it was good ambition. But for most of the half, that was lacking. There were no really runs in behind. It was Everything was in front of Huddersfield. Everything was kind of at a slow pace. So in that sense, you can, you can pass out the back all you want, but it's not going to get you anywhere. And then that's what really changed second half is that we became more direct, more purposeful, and we tried to make things happen. Whereas first half, it seemed like we're just going through the motions, um, which, which is a bit worrying because we've seen that in a bunch of first halves uh, this season, right? Uh, yes. Blackburn, we were lucky to be ahead. I mean, the, the Kearney wonder goal was not really indicative of how well we played. So that's one thing I want to look for improvement against Millwall um, in midweek. How we start that match is so key. Totally agree. Totally agree. Okay. 
Guys, we're now going to transition to the second half because this is when the match was won by foam, and we're going to go into detail on that. I'm going to stop for some key moments, get your thoughts on it. Then at the end, I want to talk about the adjustments, the approach from Scott Parker that his team took in the second half because it was uh, dramatic. Uh, We'll do that after we go through the key moments. I want to spend a lot of time on the second half. So I'm just going to mention some moments, and we'll stop in certain points. Second half, again, it was pretty evident that Scott Parker had some uh, orders that Fulham needed to do, and they were doing what he wanted them to do because they were starting to create opportunities early on. In the 46th minute, you have two chances from Mitro. Unfortunately, one was blocked. There were some good opportunities there. Then in the 50th minute, you have the shot by Narkart. And that's followed up one minute later, the goal by Mitro. And Max, I'll go to you. Let's talk about this whole sequence, the beginning stages of, of the second half. And it will end with your analysis of the Mitro goal. Your thoughts. Yeah, from the off, it just seemed like we were a new team. And the main things for me, which I identified, was Cavalero and Narkart. In that first five to ten minute period of the second half, they were everything. They were everywhere, attacking the fullbacks, putting in crosses, linking up with Mitro, winning corners. That's the main thing. I mean, and it looked like every single time they got the ball, which is different from the first half, they went right at the fullback instead of maybe checking back or putting in a cross immediately or losing the ball. They were so direct. And that's the one where I want to say direct. And it's what sums up Knockart so well, I think, is that he always knows I can beat my man. I can take him on one-on-one. And that's so refreshing. Sometimes it's annoying when he hogs onto the ball. But for the most of the time in, in, in this period, he had that great shot, a flash across goal. He had another shot that was deflected, led to a corner. And it actually was from a sequence from a corner that led to Mitro's goal. We kind of play short, gets cleared, makes his way back to Joe Bryan. And he's pretty far back in the Huddersfield half, but lost up a hopeful ball to Cavalero, whose first touch is actually not great. And then Bakuna does our work for us. Shanks that ball in the middle. Yep. And if it's Mitro, the ball's hanging, and he's up against any defender in the league, I don't care who it is. That's a goal. And he was all over him, right? I think it was Elphick. He was all over Elphick. But I think mean, he's just too strong for him. That's not a foul. Maybe Varda might get taken back because his hands were kind of on his neck. But he's just such a beast, Mitro. I mean, the power on that guy, just to head that over him, uh, it was so satisfying to watch. And it was the best way to culminate that 10-minute period of pressure. We deserved it. Absolutely. Totally agree there, Max. And Fulham take the lead, and they deserve the lead from the play. Uh, they definitely deserved it. And I really thought at that point they were going to get the second, third, maybe more than that because they were dominant. There was really one team in the ascendancy, truly. And and uh, Huddersfield Town, really, it didn't even look like they were really into the match. But that all changed. Six minutes later, you have – the goal, Giannis, I'm going to go to you because I think it's a dangerous time after you score a goal. You really yeah. have to be concerned about the response. Well, this is the only response from Huddersfield Town the entire match. Their only shot on target. Giannis, I know I've been focusing on the goal, and I definitely want your thoughts on it. But this is a time where everyone needs to be on alert and be at their best minutes after they score a goal. I'm talking about Fulham scoring a goal. And then you have the goal from Colin Grant, which I think is preventable. Your thoughts on the goal from Huddersfield Town that makes it 1-1? Yeah, it was a bit of comedy of errors there at the back. And, and, and I think that when they look at the game tape again, and I've, I've seen several replays of that particular goal, I think uh, Scotty and the coaches are going to um, launch a few, you know, they're going to blow a few gaskets, especially with Millwall coming up. Um, because they better, ex- they better expect crosses coming in that are going to threaten us in the box. We're not that big at the back as, as it is. And um, it was disappointing. And, and what made it even more disappointing, in a sense, is that we scored the Mitra scores the goal, and then Siva takes Bakuna off yep. a couple of minutes later, which to me is actually an important part for me because he's made the mistake and he's stopped him. So, I mean, that's that's something where, you know, you've made the mistake, boom, boom, boom. You know, it's going to take a few minutes to recover and let him settle back in. And he's taken him straight off, which 
again, the optics weren't great. So we've had the advantage of scoring and the advantage of the person who's made this mistake to lead to our goal being subbed. And yet we lay, we, we lay an egg. So um, it, it, is there, like, you know, is, I still think with the back four that we've got, I still think there's a little bit of a lack of awareness. Um, part of it is Molson and Ream because they haven't played with each other for a long time. Cesc was obviously new. But they have to tighten that up. Uh, they really do. We're going to come up against teams that are going to be um, proficient in terms of getting balls in the box. Um, I still think Betts should have done better. Um, you know, and there, there were complaints, concerns that the ball hadn't crossed the line. The it, did. Appeared, it did cross the line. And, um, you know, Huddersfield must have thought, oh, lordy, Christmas has come early. This is great. We've done nothing in this game. And then nothing. They did nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's been, I mean, it, 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 I felt sorry for the, the, the Huddersfield fans because it's a home game on a Friday night. It's on, you know, national network. Um, it's the only game on in the bloody country, let's, you know. Right. And uh, we're laying an absolute bloody egg. Um, and then all of a sudden we've given them this, this lovely little gift. Um, so it's a concern because we're going to have much bigger games in much worse weather, in much colder conditions, and we have to keep it tight. And that's why I still believe that we are a defender short. It's a great Tony Carpenter talk about, you know, the faith in Sass and faith, you know, and you've got um, Christian there, and of course Dennis Adoy, who's Mr. Magnificent because he can play anywhere. But you, I, I still think we're a defender short. I still think we need more, more height in there, and I think it sort of manifests itself there. It was very disappointing for them to equalise, because it really, they, they, to me, they couldn't, they, they wouldn't have scored until next March. And then totally all of a sudden... Yes. That's what's so frustrating it, about it. It is frustrating. It is frustrating, and, it's, and it isn't... Uh, it, I know it's early again, but we, we've really got to tighten up. We've got a couple of... You know, our next two games, Millwall and Forest, we can get six points. We could be in the top two, um, but not if we, you know, have brain freezes uh, at the back like that led to that goal. So hopefully lessons learned. That's the best thing that I think that you can say, Giannis. They have to learn from this. They have to learn from the Barnsley match, and they need to get that corrected because teams are going to look at how those two teams scored and they are going to replicate it. Copycat. You know, that's what happens. And – they're going to see the weakness, and they're going to try to take advantage of that weakness. They need to fix that as soon as possible. Okay, let's now go further into the second half, and then, Max, I'll go back to you. Anthony Knockhart has an opportunity, really good opportunity, it's saved by the goalkeeper in the 61st minute. Their goalkeeper, I think, was tremendous. He yes. made some key saves. If he doesn't, I think Fulham win this game handily. That's just my yeah. opinion. Yes. Then you have the substitutions. Like I mentioned, I want to talk about this after we talk about the second half, because I think the pattern of the substitutions, as I mentioned, it was very similar to the Blackburn match. You have Bobby Reed coming on for Stefan Johansson. And then a little bit later on, Max, let's stop here. Let's talk about the goal from Ivan Cavallaro. It's a fantastic goal in the 80th minute. Your thoughts on the match winner for Fulham? It's an excellent goal. And I think it's actually a lot better goal than a lot of people are giving credit for. Uh, and I'll tell you why. It doesn't start from where most people see the replays. It starts all the way back from Marcus Bedinelli goal kick, which he we, he received a lot of stick from playing out from the back, how he gives away the ball. But actually, the goal starts all the way back there with Betts passing out to Reem. And it's a 10-pass move all the way from our own um, penalty area to Cavalera slotting home with a wonderful strike. And he plays it right to Reem who goes down the line to Brian. Brian plays Cavalero, and Cavalero does a much better job in this goal than people give him credit for as well, because he plays an excellent one-two with Mitro, is away on that left-hand side, crosses to Knockart, then you have that wonderful back heel, and Sess actually takes that first touch. The back heel is perfectly weighted. Yep. Sess's first touch is heavy, but it needs to be heavy to beat his opposition left back. Then the wonderful lofted cross, Mitro with the strength, the poise to bring that down, lay it to Kearney, and that finish. And I've watched so many replays of that curling finish of Cavalera. What a goal. I mean, what a goal. Because he's no right to score from there. It, it's, it's far out. He's, he's basically standing. He has no momentum. He essentially takes that, 
like a free kick, a, a dead ball situation to get that curl, that accuracy. You know, he miscued the first one in the first half, which is a much easier chance to make. But that goal, amazing. And, and it was just a perfect way to end that match. I mean, yeah. 10 minutes ago, in front of the away fans, top corner, 10 pass, wonderful flowing move that starts off from your goalkeeper, ends with your left winger. You can't write a better script than that, honestly. Um, and I think that will honestly go down as one of the goals of the season because it was that pretty. Oh, it was. And uh, he really showed why Fulham wanted him so badly, that talent. He has that ability, and uh, he showed it. And, and uh, I'm glad that we have Ivan Cavalier. I know he did not play a fantastic match, but he made up for it with the goal. That's just my thoughts on him. All right, let's uh, finish up. And, Giannis, I'll go back to you. Talking about the end of this match, you have Harrison Reed coming on for Cavalero, the goal scorer the, who got the match winner. And then you have a shot by Bobby Reed. And what I've seen from Bobby Reed in small spurts, I really do like. I have to mention that pace. He obviously has the ability to score. And we saw a really good shot from him in that 85th minute. So I want to talk about that. And Giannis, want to get your thoughts on what happened with Mitro near the end of the match? The announcer was saying that there was a little play acting going on there with Mitro. I want your thoughts on that and, and how Fulham saw out the game. So just your overall view on how the match ended the final stages. Well, just going back to that goal, um, just yeah, the sure, go goal, for me, you know, as, as brilliant an execution of a shot as it was, I think 90% of the credit needs to go to Joe Bryan. That was a brilliant dummy run on the left. He, he sold them all a crocker. And he's given Cavaliero that little bit of time just to shape it up and score. It was a great, great run. Brian's a very subtle player. Um, and you know what? It was a, I love that. I love to see that overlapping run. That, yes. that, that has drag defenders. Um, in terms of... Um, in, in, no, 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 I'm not now at a senior moment. Instead of decorded over Reed, I, what yes. I like about him is I like his pace and I like his directness. And what he's going to do is he's going to give... Um, He's going to give Scotty the sort of options he may not have at the back because Cavallero has, has been in, in spits and spots and he needed that goal. He really, really needed that goal. But I still think it may not save him from the chop on Wednesday where I think Reed may get get um, get a start um, because um, he's keen as mustard. He came in match fit. He's ready. Um, and I just think he gives us a, a, little, a, a little different element and you show his energy is, is, is excellent too, which is great. Mitrovic, um, well, Patrick Bamford got, um, uh, I think, just got a two-game ban from um, the league for uh, admonishing an injury, or it was, um, what's it called? It's um, deception of an official. Um, we all love Mitrovic to death. Um, he... Um, he overacted or did whatever. Uh, I don't know what the league's going to do about it. I assume there's going to be nothing done about it. Um, but he doesn't need to do that. And I, I don't want to see him do that. I don't want to see any of this. Oh, right. I've, I've spent the week here down in Dominican watching Mexican football on TV. Now, I, I like the closer. I think the standard is actually very, very high. But I'm sick to death of seeing people diving, feigning injuries. I mean, it's it's... It's rotten. It's like they all go to acting school before they go into, into training, and it's and it's you've you've got to got to get rid of it. It's 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 cheating, and um, I think it was unnecessary. And I don't. Um, uh, I think that when uh, Mitro looks back at the tape, he'll probably feel a little embarrassed. And I think Scotty Parker will take him to one side and say, "Look, as great a player as you are, there's a certain way. You know, there's a, there's the spirit of the game." And, uh, and that's very, very important. And uh, it's not something that, that we uh, condone. It's not something that we want to see from you because you are one of our leaders. Right. And attitude reflects leadership. So um, I thought we closed out of the game. I mean, they, they came and they huffed and they, they huffed and they puffed. But, but again, I mean, they had a daft approach. You know, they didn't make, I mean, Mooney and Van Lepara came on um, after Cavalier's goal. And, if, if Huddersfield thought they could get anything out of this game more than a draw, they should have come on much earlier, much earlier. I mean, you bring them on, it was a, it was a react, reactionary double substitution. Well, Mooney came on, I think, after 83, and then Lepata, Van Lepata was a, a minute later. 
how about, you know, during the mid-70s and going, okay, well, we'll you know, if you're going to take Pritchard and Kachunga off, then take them off. Let's put this double substitution on as attacking, all of a sudden maybe you change the flavor. But they didn't. Siva waited until we got our goal and then reacted. And this is, you know, um, it's... And confidence as a manager is huge. It really, you know... It's the old Sven Joran Eriksson wrote a, a book once uh, about about coaching, and he talked about you know situations of fight or flight. And um, unfortunately, Huddersfield Town are in the flight mode at the moment. They're, they're, they're scared to make mistakes, they're scared to lose, and they're scared to take risks that could can reap rewards and turn and turn their, their form around. So um, from that perspective, I thought we looked comfortable. Closing out the game, I didn't think we were any any danger after scoring that second goal of of letting it slip. And um, you know, our support was fantastic Friday night, and uh, it made for an excellent weekend. And it's a it, it's a it's a super. We've gone up to seventh now, so I know it's early days, but uh, it's always nice to, to to look down rather than up. So pleased with the way the game ended. So am I, Yanis, and. Uh... I do agree with you with um, the Metro situation. I just want to say this. I'm not a fan of diving, faking anything, and uh, I love Mitrovic. I'm so glad we have him. He didn't need to do that, and I'll just leave it at that. All right, let's now end with just talking about why the second half looked the way it did because we have to give Scott Parker credit here, and we also have to give the players a lot of credit because it was a completely different team. So I want your analysis, both of you. Max, I'll start with you. What was the adjustment, in your opinion, that Scott Parker made, told the players, and they acted? You've already said you believe it was more of a direct approach. So let's just, through your eyes, overall, what you thought happened at halftime and how it played out in the second half. I think I just think he gave them, you know, a telling off in, in as many words. He said, you're not playing up to your potential. You're paying too slow. Wake up. You know, you're better than these guys. Just run at them. And and I don't think it was anything too advanced in terms of a tactical standpoint. I think our formation was largely the same. But the difference was how our players reacted. And I think he said, don't worry about, you know, being tentative. You're going to win this match in the next 45 minutes. You know, there's, there's no other time to do it than the present. Um, and, and the winner showed that, you know. So yeah. I'm not going to say it's anything too brilliant in terms of formation or really tactics. I think he just said, run at them and and that's what happened those really successful and you could tell we started to um whereas in the first half the passing was slower it was quicker in the second half uh Cavalier and Knocker got involved more they were direct yep. their runs in behind I mean Mitro and Knocker both had amazing chances when they're one-on-one yeah through on goal yeah yeah and, and honestly you have to wonder why didn't we not start like that because it was the same players essentially you can't point to one sub that changed the match I think it was changed before Reed came on um it really was just, I think, a mentality thing. Uh, but fair play to Parker for getting the best out of the players. I think it's just a shame it took 45 minutes to do that. But, you know, or alternatively, could be just Huddersfield was tired. You know, they're tired of chasing the ball. Yeah. They're, they're tired of losing, you know, 16 matches out of the last 20 or something I read. Yep. They're tired of being behind, and we just broke them down. So maybe we'll see that a lot this season in that last kind of 45, 30 minutes. We're just too good for teams because we have that depth and we have that quality. Very interesting uh, analysis there. Over to you, Giannis. I w- want to get your thoughts. Also, I don't know if you saw this at the beginning of the second half. There was a, a shot of Scott Parker with his hands, basically. It looked like he was saying, push in, push in. I, I was trying to read his lips. I don't know if that's exactly what he said. But he was making a motion with his hands. What do you think he his instructions were? And then let's talk about how the team reacted in the second half. Well, I mean, you know, you know the old uh, one of the old adages, old adages is adages, adages, Tim Hoogland, adages in the book is what did they put in your half-time half-time cup of tea? And clearly, um, they came, we came out in the second half, you know, really motivated. So I'm sure there were some hair dryers and teacups went flying, and um, it goes. I don't think he would have been too upset about um, necessarily the possession, which was very good, the chances we created. But it was the slowness of the game, and we really weren't pressing, and that we were really um, we were playing like an away team. 
Well, they were playing like an away team, and we weren't taking advantage of that. Right. We just, you know, and uh, as a, and that's the thing about the players. You know, the players play, but often they can't have the perspective of the coaching staff that, that are seeing everything that's going on. And um, uh, he's obviously said, let's really start going at these fullbacks. They're not much cop. We really need to push forward as a midfield unit. We need to we need to speed the passing up. And, and this is very, I think, a key. Because I think that um, teams will set up to try and close space down against us very, very quickly. Barnsley did that first game of the season. You know, I mean, admittedly, if you think now of the lineup we had out then versus what we had now, what a difference it makes. But to move the ball quickly and to make runs off the ball quickly. And the second half, we did that. It was, just, it was a matter of just speeding the game up and being more aggressive in terms of moving forward. Yep. And quicker combinations in 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 the last third of the field, um, and the second goal really set that up because the passing movement and the intelligence of Joe Bryant to make that overlapping run was just just brilliant. To me, that that was the goal. I mean, it was, you know, the defender sort of stood off Cavallero. It's a nice finish, but Bryant's run has just sold them all a dummy, and it's great. And um, and and that's what we need to do. It's it's where I think we can be one of the best teams in the division. Isn't through our pace and skill; it's through, you know, our thinking. Um, right. We've got some very good thinking, you know, very good analytical players out there, and I think in the second half we really showed that. And Huddersfield looked what they are—a um, collection of players, some good players, but but who are really, really struggling and woefully short of confidence right now, where nothing can go right. And and to concede 17 shots on net in front of 20,000. Of you know fans on a Friday night on national television, it's not. It's you know, I mean, it's the writing was on the wall for Seabit, and uh, um, yep. it's one of those rare games we're going to have where away from home, where a team will set up where you're going. You know what? This is our three points are for the taking. It's difficult enough to win away from home, but when a team does that, they're saying, "Look, look, look we'll come at us," because if we're going to take you, we're going to take you on the break. Then it, with the players we've got, we should be able to to get a lot of victories. Right. And I'm glad that you said this, Giannis, because while you were talking about this, we played in the second half like the home team. We took it to them. Yes. And I think that was probably the message from Scott Parker is take it to them, get your passing, like you said, faster, quicker passes, get on the same page because the passing between each other was fantastic. They were all on the same page in the second half, and it wasn't disjointed like it was in the first half. So maybe it wasn't this huge tactical change like Max said. It was just basically refine what you're doing and just do it faster and take it to them and be more aggressive. And um, it worked. It worked. And that's what gives me hope moving forward because if you can do that on the road, I don't care where you're playing. If you play like the home team on the road, you're going to win because you're, you're more aggressive and eventually you're going to get your opportunities. And that's what happened in this match. Fulham deserved to win that match and should have won it by a, a bigger score line than two to one. It shouldn't have been that close. That's how dominant Agreed. they were in the second half. Agreed. Absolutely great. All right, guys, let's now look at the full-time stats. I think they're revealing. And um, I'll just go by the one on the Fulham website. I'm pulling it up right now. And let's talk about that. And then we'll talk about who is your man of the match. Possession. Fulham had 65% to 35%. Total shots. 17 to 6 in favor of Fulham. I, I can't even think of the 6 for Huddersfield Town, but okay, 6 for them. This is the one that stands out to me. On target, 8 for Fulham, 1 for Huddersfield Town, and that was a goal for them. Corners were even at 5. Crosses favor of Fulham, 15 to 11. And then let's look at attempted passes, 667 to 350 in favor of Fulham. Passing accuracy, this is a, a stat that I always – liked looking at under Slavisa because when it was over 80%, that was usually a good sign. 88% in this match, 75% for Huddersfield Town. And then we look at fouls, 14 to 13 in favor of Fulham. Okay, I'll go to you first, Max. What stands out to you from the full-time stats? I mean, they only had one shot on target. Can't believe that. In the entire match, one shot on target. They're the home team, as you guys have been saying, playing like the away side, yeah. and that's their only goal. That's that just really stands out. It's just amazing, but also eighty nine percent passing accuracy. 
I mean, that's that's really high for us. That's that's one of the highest I've seen in quite some time, which shows that you know Parker is getting that Yukanovic style in terms of get the ball on the ground, but he's saying let's play it quicker. Right. So the fact that we could kind of combine the two with the very high passing accuracy, very high possession, but also lots of shots and lots of action in the final third. And the biggest thing is that penetration, right? That was missing first half, second half. First half, a lot of passing, no end product. Second half, a lot of passing, but with purpose. So yeah, the big things stand out to me are how well we passed, also how poor Huddersfield were, or how well we uh, we really uh, d- denied them any sort of shots. Because I mean, one shot on target, that is laughable for a home team. Okay, excellent. Mr. Janaeus, what stands out to you? Um, it's the one shot on target, and, and it's, I, I, was, I saw a Twitter account last night that said that Fulham were in the top three of um, success rates in terms of completed passes in the game. I think Leeds are number one right now in, in Division Swansea, number two. But they were not in the top ten of successful completed passes inside the opposition half. So I think I think this is something to work on. I mean, it's it's great to be able to knock the ball around, and because you know, if you cut the zones, if you cut the, the football pitch into you know one, two, three, four, zones three and four is really where you're going to have your impact. And I think that's where we we definitely improved in the second half. And I think that's where we've really got to work on on the combinations and the width of the, of the, the field that we the fields that we play on. The players like Knockhart and Reed and Cavallero, as examples, we've got players that can take the ball from the, the byline and really stretch the field. And I think that's where you're going to get joy in terms of the ability and the potential for you know, successful pass rates in zones three and four. And that's where we're going to create more chances. 17 shots is excellent. To only concede one is great. But I don't, but I'm, you know, I don't think it's because we were that good. I just think that Huddersfield were that poor. Actually, Russ, I was going to say, the, the key yeah. stat of the weekend that you didn't mention, but I will enlighten you, you and Max on this, because I know you like having some yeah. fun, is it, it was on ESPN last night here, ESPN Mexico, uh, on yeah. Uh, yeah, Mexico here, which was 20. It was the main headline, 20. The consecutive number of games that Jack Grealish has played for Vaston Illa, and they've lost. <laughs> and, it's a, and it's a record. And it, it's astonishing. And I was talking to my wife last night, and, and I said to her, I don't know, not Fulham related. At what point does the manager or the teammates going, well, he's a good player, but every time he plays, we lose. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, 20, 20 games, is, I mean, it's, it's, it's broken a record. And it, it makes you wonder, do they pull this kid out of the lineup just because? So um, just a little side thing. That was, yeah. that made me laugh just because it was Villa as well. Um, but you know what? Um, I, when you win, you're never as good as you think you are. And I think that although we could have won by more on Saturday, um, Millwall will be a different proposition on Wednesday night. London derby. Um, they've made a good start this season, seven points in three games. Um, I'm expecting it's going to be it's going to be it should be a full house, you know, for, for what for what's considered full. And I think it's going to be a good test. But I think with the, if we can play like we did second half yes, um, Friday night, I think we should be able to beat them easily. Okay, fantastic. All right, guys, let's end with talking about who was your man of the match. And then I'm also going to share the results of the man of the match poll on Friends of Fulham and who the winner is. But before I do that, I want to get both your votes for man of the match. Who do you have as man of the match? I'll go to you first, Max. I think we already did this on full-time, but go ahead. Yeah, I said knocker on full-time. I'm going to yep. stand with that because I just think he was the most dangerous player. But I know Sassanion is going to be a very popular pick, and I'm tempted to go with him, but he's my very close runner-up. I just have to say knockout for me was the most dangerous player in the pitch. Didn't get his goal, yep. but was at the heart of everything we did, and it's just so exciting. So he's my man of the match. I agree with that. I believe I said that as well on full time. Over to you, Giannis. Who's your man of the match? I'm going to give it to Sess, um, if only because um, it was close between Knockout and Sess, but because it was Sess's first league game, I, I just thought it was such a calm and composed performance. Um, and especially dealing with, you know, um, you know, the resilience he showed after, you know, uh, getting a yellow card so early. His response to that I thought was outstanding. And I, I'm really, really pleased with the reaction of the Fulham, not just the Fulham fans, but the Fulham players on, on social media 
to assess his performance. And you, do, you rarely see players come out and talk about a player playing that well um, on social media. And, and I think that's not only do we believe he had an excellent game, but his teammates did too. That's and that's very important. absolutely massive. Yes. Because now if he's, he's got the, 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 if he's got the, um, the faith and support of his teammates, it's brilliant in terms of his, his, learning, his, his learning curve. And who knows, maybe he's going to learn some lessons from his brother. I mean, um, you know, he's, he's seen his brother leave the club, but maybe there'll be things about this where he'll do things differently. I thought he was excellent on Friday night, so he gets my line out of the match. Okay. And I just want to mention that on the Friends of Fallen Paul, the winner was Stephen Sessignon. And this oh. is out of 345 votes. Stephen Sessignon got 157. That's 45.4%. That's massive. So I just want to mention that on this poll, man of the match, friends of Fallen Paul, it's Stephen Sessignon. And again, I go back to something Max said at the beginning of the show. He looked like he fit in, didn't look out of place at all. And that's huge. That's massive because there was that opportunity for him to crumble, and he didn't crumble. I was concerned that he would, but he did not. You know, again, I, I saw how Pritchard was playing at the beginning of the match. I thought, oh, this could be a long day for this youngster, and it didn't turn out that way. And that, you have to give credit to Steven Sessignon. I understand why the fans on Friends of Fulham gave it to him. All right. Great stuff, guys. Great show. This is a fantastic show. Mr. Janaeus, thank you so much for joining us all the way from the Dominican Republic. I'll tell you what, it's, it's been uh, Republica Dominicana. I'm, uh, I'm not really happy to leave here. I actually really, really like it here. But uh, yep. I got back to school, to school on Tuesday morning. And I just sent you a lovely graphic with uh, you and Max, a lovely graphic of Jack Grealish that I'm sure he's going to bring some tears to your eyes. <laughs> 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 Sorry for laughing. I just happened to see that. You know, it's it's funny. It's funny, Russ. You know that I that picture I put up of um, um, Chelsea FC with the lion putting the the um, the paw over his head. Yep. I'm still crying with laughing now. <laughs> that is one of the funniest graphics I have ever. Seen. <laughs> and at this time, and by the way, I bumped into a son and uh, a, a father and son here at the resort. Uh, wearing a Fulham, uh, the Fulham, wearing Chelsea, uh, Chelsea, uh, Chelsea blue shirts. Yeah. Unfortunately, and I was wearing my 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 Fulham shirt, but of course, you know, I, you know their level of uh, capacity and competence really, they wouldn't know Fulham shirt anyway. So, so there you go. I'm going to wear another one today, and wear one of the old style ones from the 1980s to show off. Okay, excellent. This is what Thank- we do. Great show today, Russ. Great show. It was fantastic. You were great, Max. You were great as well. Thank you. For doing this again, you did full time with me, and uh, it was great to look back at it. I'm glad you had a, had a chance to watch the match. Like I said, I, I've actually watched it back twice. I'm not trying to outdo you. I'm just that much of a crazy person that I actually had to watch it again twice. <laughs> well, of course, Ross, you always got to go the extra mile, and that's why you are the star of the show. <laughs> not the star of the show. I'm just a conductor. That's all I am, just a conductor. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Great show, guys, but let's wrap this up of this episode. For Max Cohen and Yanis Janais, all the way in the Dominican Republic, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. 
at participating restaurants. 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.